Is It Transphobic? will be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny. We may also address issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic? will also use strong language. So listener discretion is advised. Hello, thank you for joining us for Is It Transphobic? My name is Ashley Lauren Rogers. I'm the creator, uh, producer, and editor of the podcast. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns. And today I'm being joined by... <laughs> Hi, I'm Philip Barrett. I use uh, them and he, him pronouns. I'm Paola, also known as PJ the Whip Gonzalez. I use she, her pronouns. Awesome. So both uh, Silas and Paola are people that you're probably very familiar with if you listen to our podcast. Silas has been on countless numbers of uh, uh, episodes at this point. Uh, and Paola, so for those listening... <laughs> Paula is uh figuring out her mic. Uh we really appreciate it. Yeah, we we the tech the tech on this end uh unfortunately did not save us. Um but Paula is joining us with a a wonderful branded guitar hero mic. Um we really appreciate you figuring it. It's just honestly we we didn't want to talk to anyone else about these subjects and so it's just like no, we like thank you for doing whatever you have to to make it work. <laughs> I, I I feel like I'm holding a microphone back of like back uh, in the 80s when you used to watch like Min Jin interviewing the wrestlers, you know, like it's, <laughs> it, it is what it is. <laughs> so uh, today we're going to talk about uh, two specific subjects, but we're going to talk about pro wrestling as a whole and whether it's uh, inclusive to trans folks. Uh, but the, the major subjects are Nyla Rose, which if you haven't listened to this podcast and you haven't just if you've been living under a rock, she is this amazing pro wrestler who is also trans and is currently the AEW women's champion. And holy crap, I am just in love with Nyla Rose in the, the best ways possible. Uh, but we're also going to talk a little bit about intergender wrestling. Um, but before we go into that, Paula, you have joined us for the uh, episodes. You've joined us for a couple episodes as well. We did an interview with you about a year and a half, maybe two years ago. Uh, I think more like two years, maybe three. Two, three yeah. years ago, yeah. Yeah, it was it was quite a while. A lot a lot has happened, so we want to check in with you on that. We also want to talk with Silas. The reason I wanted to bring Silas in is because Silas is Scowl's official referee. Scowl. Uh, he or Z plays Sam Eagle Eye in Scout. Oh, that's, uh, I was watching the match yesterday. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna release. Uh, I think by by the time we release this episode, it'll be out there. But yeah, uh, Sam was introduced in during our worldwide Pride fight, and I I let Paula take a look to give me notes because uh, I wanted you two to talk, especially because Paula, you have experience as a professional professional wrestling referee, right? Just started doing that um, uh, last year, uh, mostly out of necessity because I'm I'm not 20 anymore. I already passed a big four zero. So your body, there's so much that the body can take when you are in, in, in the wrestling business, you know. Mm. Um, so I w I began to look into a different way that I can stay in the business and contribute in the business. Um, um, and help others, you know. And having been the in the wrestling business for so long, and being and being a wrestler, so you understand the psychology of the match. So like being a ref and putting the the uh, the stripes, as I call it, um, it's it, it it's kind of an easy transition, you know. So so I've been like uh, since last year, I've been working as a ref um, at some shows. And it's going okay. I I like it too. You know, it's a uh, it's a job, and you need to have good refs. You know, because like um, um, you are pretty much the the middle person between the the workers when they are working their match. Um, 
and um, and in case something happened to one of them, and I had a, a situation happen in one of my last shows where somebody got injured their shoulder, so I had to give the signal so I was somebody in the back could come and help the person that was in the ring. So, you know, it's it's a responsibility, and it's also um, physically demanding too. You know, because like as a wrestler, you only wrestle one match and you are done. As a referee, you are working probably one, two, three, four matches, depending on how on how many refs they promotion has so it's it's not an easy job as some people want to think it is um yeah uh so in addition to that i i wanted to talk to you because your character has kind of seen a, a whole new direction like when we interviewed you before uh you were it, i believe the the term was the whip mistress correct yes yeah. Uh, so yeah i that changed because of my I decided to change it mostly because I wanted to tone down the character a little bit more to be more marketable um, there are some promoters that want to do shows that are uh, kid friendly you know mm-hmm. um, so so I decided to switch the character because of that you know get away from the BDSM saying you know or notation you know because that's what when you hear the name whip mistress people are going to think oh like oh yeah, okay bdsm and all that kind of stuff and that is overrated in wrestling so let's do something different you know and um i was uh trying to figure out i still wanted to use a whip as a as a prop in the ring mm-hmm. uh because not many other people know how to use a whip and also People tend to forget that in the past, like there were a lot of like wrestlers like Dutch Mantel and um, uh, Ron Bass and also um, Wildman Bill Irwin. They used to carry a bullwhip to the ring and they used to use it uh, as a character to to punish their opponents after the matches. So I wanted to keep that in place. And I was like, okay, what can I do? And I know I can juggle, so I decided, all right, I think I'm going to go with the circus team. And I decided to do the circus team, and yeah. uh, um, came out with a uh, one of the things that what happened was like when people used to see me with a whip, they started cheering for me, and I didn't want that to happen. So I decided to to wear the face paint that I that I wear. Yeah, it looks something like this, like you know, it's it's almost like a convention of of. Uh, the theater, the, if you take uh, the symbols for theater and you merge them together, you get a happy face and a sad face, and that's pretty much what I did, pretty much. So, yeah. yeah. And it's been working great. Um, the gimmick has gotten me some success, and, like, you know, going from, so like... So I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'm I still the women's champion at uh, New York Championship Wrestling, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Congrats. The, the reigning, Thank defending... You champion of yeah. nycw yeah yeah that was Very. that that came unexpected i didn't ask for it or anything just like mm. oh hey we're going you're going to get the belt i'm like okay all right i i, I guess so you know <laughs> like, that, oh oops nice. sure. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah did we did we just completely ruin your your entire job did we like kick out? <laughs> 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 we can we can we can you know, we, we don't have to air that. I can cut it out. I have time. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I think, like, a lot of fans, they probably know already, you know. Uh, I mean, <laughs> my, my take is they know uh, because of the, you know, like, back in the early 90s, um, people were still doing documentaries about whether wrestling was fake or not. And then, like, uh, 1998, I remember there was this documentary called uh, Exposed Pro Wrestling Greatest Secret. It's oh so yeah! If you have if you haven't seen it, ghost. <laughs> is that the one with the stunt granny, or is that a different one? I, I don't know. There was like I remember I, Brian Zane. Uh, he's a he's a wrestling YouTuber. He he was like he was reviewing one of those videos, and I think it was Pro Wrestling Exposed, and it was like the oh see that that old woman who hit that guy? Well, she's a stunt granny. It's just like. <laughs> I, like, I okay, don't remember, there's. <laughs> I don't remember that one, but they had a in that show they had a a kid and and, mm-hmm. and 
one of the things that promoters use is they have a kid, and the, but that kid, nobody knows that it's the son of one of the wrestlers. And the wrestler come to the kid and take the poster and break it. Oh, poor kid. But in the back, they will give him a lollipop or something like that. I'm like, what the hell? Like, come on. Like, <laughs> I mean... I, I could definitely see, especially like, hey, if you know the business, if you're like, if you're a kid who's in the business, it's like, okay, you get it. So I can be a little bit like, I can push you a little further. I can steal your thing. I can destroy this. But like, yeah, okay, that that specifically. <laughs> I, I, I mean, from the perspective of a fan that doesn't know that, you know, that doesn't know yeah. that the person has a family in there. Um, they would think like, oh, my God, look at this person. They're taking something from my child. What? I mean, person. No. <laughs> and they will start putting that person. So like it's like old school, old, old school cheap heat. What I like to call it, pretty much. Yeah, but yeah. It's <laughs> there. It, it, there are things to. It's one of those things that a, a wrestler can do just to make the fans not like them. You know, there are yeah. so many things that you can do to 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 get the fans not to like you because you want the fans to react in a certain way. You know, and um, you can do it in so many ways, and that is one way that that you can use it, you know, you have somebody in the crowd that, you know, you can go to that person, you know, and, and use that, uh, let them give you some feed to use so that way they, other people react according to what they're saying, you know? Yeah. So can I ask, how is uh, COVID, coronavirus, uh, all of this affecting indie wrestling right now? Like, I know the, the obvious is there's a lot of things that are shut down and had to be postponed, but like, can you comment a little bit on how, uh, it's affecting the indie wrestling industry. Uh, sure. Yeah. Right now, like uh, today, there was going to be a show at the uh, locally here in Albany, and and they had to cancel. Um, they decided to cancel because of the COVID nineteen. Um, so I was supposed to wrestle next week in uh, Chicopi, Massachusetts, and that show also got got canceled. So it really has affected independent wrestling completely there, there there are no shows right now going on in united right. states um which is unfortunate but it's understandable you know and uh we want to keep people safe you know um and the thing is like when you look at the independent wrestling they kind of do what what wwe or aw can do which is like they have the money support from a person that has money that is like putting money into that company. So they can afford going like, for example, to the performance center or to an undisclosed location um, and do a show. Independent wrestling companies, they cannot do that. You know, um, not only the market is difficult for independent promotion companies, you know, like uh, sometimes you do a show, you never know how many people you're going to get. If you promote the show pretty well, you can get like 200, 300 at, the, at, at max. But sometimes, like, you may get less than that, you know? Um, it all depends how you promote it. It all depends the location. It, it all depends who you bring to the show, too. But keep in mind that if you bring somebody with a name, they're they are probably going to charge you a lot of money. So yeah. um, you, you have to balance that. And it's very difficult to, to do. So and a small indie company, they kind of do what they're doing right now. Uh, we say W and WWE, and also knowing that New York State even uh, decided to close all the gyms. So, like, if somebody has a restaurant ring in a gym, we cannot go there. So, uh, right now, it's really it, it's a tough environment for independent wrestling companies. Like, I just hope that after this situation, it can go back to normal. But I don't know. You know, it's uh, we'll have to see what happens. You know. Yeah. No, I, I completely understand that. I know, especially like I was saying, Silas and I were part of uh, Scowl Ladder Mageddon, and uh, I, I and I cannot state how much I completely agree with the tank for having to postpone all of the shows that were going on there because we we were having discussions just like we had to stop an entire rehearsal just so that we could have a discussion about like, hey, so should we keep having this rehearsal? They're shutting down a lot of things. Um, and so, Silas, I, I wonder just, like, how, how are you holding up? How's things going on your end? Well, things are going all right on our end. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for everybody, but we, um, uh, my partner's been through some health things recently. So we were 
we were on the front lines of New York kind of pulling pulling back and we you know we were ahead of the curve for shopping and things like that because we were very very you know careful so we are we had the benefit of being a little bit more prepared in some ways um mm -hmm. but it, it was hard with scal and uh, you and i had talked about it even before knew if ladder mageddon was going to be postponed or not i was already thinking about pulling out just because of having to travel and things like that so it is yeah. it is very challenging yeah, because both like and and that's the thing when we're when we're doing scowl, it's all stage combat, but it's obviously the 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 idea is the story is very similar to professional wrestling storytelling. So you can't. There are ways to do it, but you really can't do that show without physically touching another person. And no. yeah, so the 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 thing is, like even theater up here, they I I work in a community theater here in this area too. And they have to cancel all the promotion, all the shows, upcoming shows too. It's it's not just wrestling, and wrestling is a like wrestling is a form of theater. Um, and we can have a long conversation about this, but like to me, wrestling is a form and we of will theater. Eventually. You got you have a <laughs> villain, you have a hero, and mm -hmm. uh, if if you read Shakespeare or any other play, you always have a, a villain and you always have a hero. It doesn't change. The formula doesn't change. It just happened that wrestling has a lot of stage combat and drama. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and unfortunately, it falls into theater because they decided to cancel their gatherings and all that kind of stuff. So like, not only wrestling is suffering, but also theater is suffering, suffering up here. And it's, it's really going to take a while for, all the, for everything to go back to normal. Yeah. Normal normalcy is a very uh, weird concept right now, but um, yeah, I mean, we're going to get there. And honestly, there are a lot of theater companies that are figuring it out, trying things and trying to figure out how to do it in the digital age. And again, like you say, a lot of the major brands like WWE and AEW are doing this bizarre but amazing thing where they're just doing it in front of nobody <laughs> or with AEW. And I don't know if uh, I don't know if we just sent you any clips, but but um. There was this like amazing thing that AEW was doing where they literally just put all their heels in the audience. And so all the heels are just there like betting on everything and yelling. It's kind of that, great. That's and, and, and that was a great idea because like when you look at WWE, they didn't have anybody in the, in the crowd. But they had like, I, I think I was watching, uh, I did watch the interview that Edge uh, did uh, mm -hmm. against uh, Randy Orton. Mm -hmm. And his interview was really fantastic, you know. He began looking at the camera and like uh, he got into it, but I think I like the one of like uh, Stone Cold. He was oh, yelling at the good. crowd when they actually, yeah. He was yelling at the crowd and it's like, uh, "Can you give me a hell yeah?" They point to the crowd. There's nobody, and all of a sudden, like um, uh, <laughs> Byron, Byron Saxton comes like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> that, that is just great, you know. So. AEW did it the right way, like having other re the, the wrestlers being around. I, I, that, that that's just great, you know. That 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 should be something that we should consider doing because that would be hilarious too, you know. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit because you know, like we we've been talking about a, a lot of us, and I I wanted to do a very non traditional episode of this podcast anyway, so it's fine. But um, let's talk a little bit about Nyla Rose because again, Nyla Rose made some history. She's amazing. I think she's wonderful. Uh, but what? does Nyla Rose mean for Transpoke looking to break into the business, the business of professional wrestling specifically? So Nyla is the first one uh, to make it like to a, a big uh, company. Uh, when you look at the wrestling business, it is, you have all the independent promotions all over the United States, you know, and, um, and then you have uh, WWE, AEW, Ring of Honor, and if you want to put them all W there, you can put them all W there. Uh, and maybe New Japan too. Um, mm -hmm. So those are like, when we speak about wrestling, like most people, they WWE, AEW, or Ring of Honor, or whatever. Um, so neither of us get inside by AEW. It's really big because not many big companies have any transgender wrestlers like you look at WWE they don't have anybody there you know uh, you look yeah. at Ring of Honor they don't have anybody there um, they may have wrestlers that are in the LBT spectrum but they don't have anybody that is openly transgender um, so it's really big because of the fact that she's in a major promotion and that's really that that's really the biggest significant there 
and she's setting up the standard for any other person that may, that may eventually be able to get to that point, which I don't, I don't think is going to happen anytime soon. But mm. you never know. You, you, you never know how this business is. Um, yeah. Well, and because Silas and I, we talked a little bit about this idea of MCU firsts and even the the idea of like, is, is this person the first? Are they the first? What is? With Nyla, it's very clear that she is the first one. <laughs> um, yeah. and, no, the, if the, if the yeah. question that you're asking is like, if they are the first transgender person in wrestling, I will have to say no. Uh, yeah, she's correct. not. And mm -hmm. then if you ask me the other question, is she the only one? I will have to say no, she's not the only one. And, mm -hmm. and 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 I'm not saying that because of me, you know. Right. Um, well, you existing also just proves that no, she's not the only one. But at the same time, like yeah, like <laughs> yeah, like, like, yeah. Like, like so. So when you look at wrestling per se, yes, there are other transgender people in in mm -hmm. the business. Um, I I I could I I I could name a few, but I don't know if I if that if we'll be okay to name them. Yeah, I would say if they openly ID, then sure. But yeah, yeah, I I feel you though. It, I, yeah, mm -hmm. I know that. Uh, I mean, that they are open about it. I'm pretty sure about it. Um, you don't necessarily need to name specifics. But so, but there yeah. exists. You know, like if if, yeah. if mm -hmm. there been a that the, there was an article that was written um, um, yeah. a few weeks ago, and they mentioned a few names in in that article. You know. Um, so I'm just going to use that article as reference because it's out there. You can find the article. It was on Twitter, and um, they mentioned Nyla. They mentioned uh, Candy Lee. She's in a um, in New Zealand, pretty much. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. and mm -hmm. she came to a show in in the United States uh, last year. Mm -hmm. And then um, you have uh, Mariah Moreno. She's in California. Um, so and. So you and and then you have me, you know. Although I'm not like well known, so that's why I didn't make it to that article, which really bothers me, you know. Like you're fighting <laughs> about transgender wrestling, and how dare you not include you me? Are you are know? a champion. How oh. they? <laughs> exactly, I'm a champion. But yeah. Like, what the mm -hmm. hell, you know, like. <laughs> but yeah, like it, we we do exist in the wrestling business, you know. We've been yeah. in the business, and. It hasn't been easy. It, it, even now, it's not easy in the business for a yeah. trans person. There, there's still, I feel, some bias uh, mm -hmm. toward trans workers. Um, but it depends on the promotion that you work for, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, so when you take a big company like AW deciding to take a, their chances by signing Nyla to go to to the company, that is really big, you know, because yeah. like. Will WWE do something like that? I, I I don't think so. Will Ring of Honor do that? Um, I don't think so either. You know. Yeah. It's... Well, I know, and and there's also something because not only was she one of the first people announced as being signed for AEW, she was one of the first to compete for the women's championship. It was her versus Riho, was the the first like oh okay the winner of this match will be the first champion, and then she beat Riho to be the second champion ever. Of AEW, <laughs> um, Silas. I'm curious, as someone who uh, I have forced to watch wrestling, <laughs> what uh, what are your oh, opinions? Jesus. Having seen it, <laughs> true. Um, like, so tell, tell us a little, little bit about your impressions, impressions after watching, watching like because I, I sent you a couple of Nyla, Nyla matches, matches and a couple of Nyla yes, clips. Yeah, were amazing. I enjoyed them so much. Um, I um, you, you were saying. Uh, you know, wrestling as theater. And as someone who's new to wrestling, the thing that I've been really struck by is um, sports, like, re you know, traditional sports are something that we put a lot of narrative around we, the commentators. And, and when people talk about, you know, their games before and after, we try to structure a story because that's sort of the human impulse is to everything as a story. And you have good guys and bad guys, like you said. And what's fascinating to me is we kind of act like sports are theater when they're not. And then you have wrestling, which is theater, dressed up like sports. And it, it has the beauty of, because it is theater, you can give the experience of a sport that perfect name. You don't end up with, well, this was just a terribly mismatched game and it was kind of boring to watch. Or you don't end up with, the ref made a mistake and it kind of ruined the game. 
Because in this case, if the ref makes a mistake, that's scripted and it's part of the story. And <laughs> watching Nyla's fight, especially the fight with Riho, was such a perfect, beautiful example of it. And they were both so good. And the, the ebb and flow of the fight and having one get the upper hand for a little while and to talk about the different styles, you know, fast versus strong and what that meant was really, really beautiful to watch. And, and as someone who is new to wrestling, that's what I'm discovering is kind of, to me, like this shining beauty that only wrestling can give you as this sort of almost bridge between what people love about sports and what people love about theater. And and it's interesting because like um, when you mentioned the, the different clashing style of like power versus strong, it's interesting because when you used to see like WWE back in the day, you know, when they have like Hulk Hogan, the Ultimate Warrior, Andre the Giant, this this were like heavyweight people. But now wrestling has become, in my opinion, more diverse in terms of like body type, like no longer you have to be a six foot monster to be allowed to be in, in, in a major promotion, you know. You can have somebody like Riho and uh, and uh, like wrestlers like Rey Mysterio or Callisto. Callisto is really tiny. Like Callisto is like um, when you put it against the big show, it's hilarious because like okay, that this little person is going to destroy that person. But like it, it's amazing to see that variety and and that diversity now in the wrestling business that before it didn't exist and little by little like major companies have come to to accept it as something that 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 it is you know and um when you look at the nyla rose and Riho match you see the classic example of uh, what i like to call the david versus goliath kind of idea um and you know and 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 i know that a lot of uh, some people were okay with it, but you had like some people like that that were not okay with it. Um, and I and I question why. Well, why are you concerned about Nyla being big and all that kind of stuff? Don't you remember watching like Big Show or Kevin Nash wrestling Remaster Junior back in the nineties? Like, like that was a match. That that is a match that 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 was out there. You know, when you had Kevin Nash and he's like a big tall monster and. It was Russell Cray Mysterio Jr. back in the day, you know? And um, so to me, it's just uh, the one thing that I've, that, that that Nyla has began creating is a lot of controversy, which in part is like, it's ridiculous in some cases to hear some of the uh, people that have been in the business, I complain about it. It's like, why? Well, which part of wrestling you come from, you know? Mm. Um, well, well and, and she mentioned in the the Chris Jericho interview because she did an interview with talk with talk is Jericho uh, that like literally I, I could tweet I woke up this morning and had breakfast and people would be coming for me and it's just like well <laughs> like okay <laughs> mm. um, and then yeah uh, actually just kind of kind of talking about that well we'll get to the the Chris Jericho interview in a moment but I'm curious if there's a way and again like this is uh, from both you Paula who is a trained seasoned uh, person in the business and Silas who is uh, someone who's coming new to this form how would you describe the way that she can make her opponents look good because as much as she is dominant as much as she's like physically able to lift someone like Riho and catch her in the air and then deliver a backbreaker like how does she make Riho look good go ahead Silas <laughs> then you can add on because he's than me and, I, and I've noticed this too. Um, I, I was I was familiar with stage combat for you know uh, more other kinds of theater, and I've I've been learning how to do specifically you know wrestling style uh, stage combat with work scowl and and sort of bringing in how that works. And I've seen this with you know some of the size differences in with uh, among star performers as well and the different talents is that you know this idea of making your opponent look good and whoever's taking the fall whoever's taking the hit is responsible for sort of the the biggest part of like making it look impressive and making it look showy and when you when you have that sort of that big strength where you can do those kinds of lifts and you can you know for every lift that she had when she was taking Rio out, she had another one where she was still doing the lift, but Rio was getting, I apologize, I don't know any of the terms, you know, getting the legs and the arms around and spinning her and then knocking her down, which looks so amazing. Like it's very, it's, it's almost like ballet in that respect where, you know, you by virtue of having people who have 
the strength and the power for throws and lifts completely expands the repertoire that you can do. Um, you know, or even just like, you know, watching the cheerleaders that I knew in high school, they would have that kind of thing. There'd be years when you had these strong, powerful people who could be the base and the showy people were the flyers and you'd throw them up the air and they twirl around and it looked amazing, but it was only possible if you had that strength driving everything. And, and I noticed that a lot in, in watching wrestling, especially in something like that with a, with a size mismatch and with the style, or not a mismatch, but an intentional difference and the style difference. And I thought it was, it was really, really impressive. And I now know enough that I can watch it you know, from a technical point of view and just see how much talent goes into just catching somebody who jumps on you and, and, and you know, going down with someone on top of you and, and not just landing safely yourself, but bringing that person down safely as well. And it's, it's really amazing. And it just shows how much um, athleticism and strength, but also uh, presence of mind and awareness of your body and other people's body that is so important or else wrestling wouldn't work and wouldn't be safe. Um, like you say, it's a it's like a dance, pretty much. You know, like it's a lot of it is like timing too. You know, because um, in some moves you can see that some wrestlers have a great timing, some wrestlers they don't have very good timing. Especially I would say flying leg scissors, which um, is some move that have made it not only in the wrestling business, but in the in the movies too. Sometimes you have seen being used by some movies too. Um, um, I I I can't remember a specific scene in a movie, but like. I know, like Black Widow and Iron Man. Yes. Two, the first, yeah. first time you meet yeah. her, she, she does, does a, a head scissors on someone. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That, and I'm like, that came out from pro wrestling, you know? Um, so, so so there are a lot of moves that, um, and, and coming from like uh, uh, me being a wrestling fan, but also a wrestler, like back when I started my wrestling career, like um, I, I didn't saw a lot of that in WWE. Uh, it was only after I started expanding myself and, um, and watching other types of uh, of wrestling, like for example, like uh, Mexican wrestling, which is very it's it's more flowy. Mexican wrestling is more flowing instead of like taking the hard bumps that uh, the wrestlers here in the United States uh, take. In Mexico, they, they they roll with the with the moves, you know, like they they do a lot of like uh, three quarter rolls, and it makes the uh, the speed of the performance of the wrestling match go faster. Um, if anybody get a chance to watch like AAA, even if you don't understand what the narration is saying, but like watch AAA, watch uh, CMLL, and you're going to see that. So to me, it's, it's not anything new. And uh, one of the things when I began uh, practicing again uh, back in 2015, so I knew that um, that um, having transition, like I knew that there were not going to be many women that were my size. So. I began looking to learning how to be a good base and take those type of moves so that way I can make my opponent look good, you know? Because, like, I don't know if anybody has practiced martial arts. There's a term of, like, using your opponent's momentum against them. So that's the idea of those moves, which sometimes, depending on who you watch in a, in a match, it may not read that, but the idea is that. It's like they're using their opponent momentum against them, you know? Um, and those moves tend to look fantastic if they are done properly, you know, because when you wrestle somebody that is like smart and you sometimes they, it may be a little bit difficult to do moves like a body slam or, or, or a hip toss, you know, and, and even when I wrestle, I don't let like people of a certain height do certain moves to me, you know, but I will give them some other moves like an right. arm drag or a flying leg scissor, uh, or like, for example, like uh, lift them, like I'm going to toss them and then they just do a uh, spinning uh, or a tornado DDT on me. Um, so those are moves that I give to people to make them look over. But they, it, it's just showing that they can out wrestle me because I'm going for a particular move, but they are coming out with something totally different that is using my momentum against them, you know? Um, and that's how you create a story, you know? Because I'm angry. How, how come the same person is like doing this to me? You know, this is not supposed to happen. So I'm going to go forward and out of a sudden they surprise me with a with a drop toe hold. I, I ended up landing in the floor, you know. So there are ways that you can do as a wrestler, create that um that idea of your opponent being able 
give them their what we call them in wrestling the, their own shine so that way they, they they look like oh this person can take this uh this other wrestler you know even though they're tiny they can do it so yeah let's uh, let's go and support that person and uh well and everybody know. loves an underdog exactly exactly you just said it in there everybody loves the underdog you know and then afterwards you switch it and then you go into what we call in, in the wrestling business the heat where you have the bigger person now like overpowering the 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 little person you know and uh and and then in the case of Nyla, she uses like power moves and i do that too myself i yeah. I, I i do i, I do body slam I, I do choke slams i do uh like the Michinoku driver was a big one that you've been doing, right? Yeah, I've been using a yeah. move lately in, a, in almost every match that I've been going over, I, mm. which is like trying to set up like, okay, this is my finisher. This is the one move that will help me win all my matches. So like the reason that I've been using it a lot is because I want to put that move over, which means that I'm going to do that move over and over whenever I win so that way people can, uh, the fans that are there, and the fans are, are freaking fans. They're going to know, hey, that's her finisher. That's the one that will get the one, two, three count, you know? So, mm. but now I, I've been using it so long that I can totally use that to tease that, that I'm about to do it. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. It's for a moment there. <laughs> so for a moment there, we thought she was going to do it, but no, it didn't happen. So yeah. so that's the idea of, of me doing that, um, which is something that it's one of my It's almost like it's vocabulary. Like yeah. a, a language that you speak, you know, yeah, like, like physical here's, language. Yeah, it, it, here's the thing. Like, uh, it, it was that um, that idea was given to me by a trainer named Kevin Landry, and uh, I was in his uh, in school, and he was uh, talking about how promotions they want to try to put people over, but they are not consistent on the way that they do things. You know, how you develop a character in wrestling, and in the company you have. You cannot expect people to react from the first show because they don't know what's going on in that company, you know? So you have to create uh, something to introduce the characters. And if you're going to have a wrestler that is going to be, um, uh, you want to start creating, like giving wrestler finishers, you have to start making those wrestlers use that finisher consistently. And that's how you put a move over, you know? You don't put it just because, you, you put it, over because you start using it consistently. So that's why I, I've been using the Michinoku driver a lot lately. Um, but but yeah, that's those are moves that are power moves. And there are times that, I, that if I'm wrestling somebody that is way bigger than me, I'll probably not use that move because I may not be able to lift that person safely. So, and, and at that point right. I switch my, I switch my strategy and there are moves that I have, I have learned like I, I can do a flying leg scissor, but to me to do a flying leg scissor on somebody that is smaller than me, that's not going to be yeah. safe, and that is not going to look um, believable either, you know. Mm. Uh, so, so it all depends who you are working with in the ring versus um, your opponent. What you can, and and also know what you could can your opponent do in in, in the in the match, you know, and and that's how you play with to make somebody. Look, look good. And I watched their matches of Nyla, and I have to admit that they are fantastic. They are well crafted. You know, it's like what I what, what I will expect to see um, when you have somebody that is big versus somebody that is like smaller. Um, so, so yeah, they, they they've been good matches. They've been interesting. I think the the last one where where she won the title that was way better than the first one that they they both have. Yeah, I think it was because of their chemistry getting better over over time. Like and I, I think that's that's the thing because there are a lot of people that when they saw the first match they were like oh I don't know about this and a all right sit down for a second but like b you know you've got to take time to develop that chemistry you've got to take time to sort of develop like also that was one of the first real major televised AEW events that the first one happened on it's it's a lot of new. And it's a lot happening. So it's like, okay, like we got to figure this out. Like it's, it's like when you're watching a television show and you need to watch the pilot. Okay, great. You watch the pilot. You can't judge it on the pilot. You got to give it a little bit. You got to give it some time. And then like once it, they figure out all the stuff, like this is a really good, this, the, the, the rematch where Nyla won the title is a really good testament to giving things a little bit of time to breathe and figure itself out and being like, yeah, no, this is what they can do. And this is amazing. 
And then, and then what I love about this storyline is like um, everybody was like expecting, oh my God, Nyla is, is so big. She's going to destroy all the, all the women wrestlers. She's going to win yep. the title yep. in the first match. And everybody was thinking that that was going to happen. And I'm like, I'm thinking, you know what? I don't think that's what's going to happen. It's not going but... to happen yet. It may happen later, <laughs> but it's not going to happen, ha happen right away because well, you want to milk it. You know, you want to take uh -huh. that storyline and, and, and play with it along the way at, extended you know um so i just i love her line she has a line where she says uh, or like a promo where she says i'm gonna be a one-time champion because no one's taking this from me it's like oh that shit so good. Oh. <laughs> good for you that's a good that's a good line <laughs> so so but actually that is adding more drama to to, to it you know because it's like she's like acting like like the way that I act too, it's like, oh, I'm the biggest one here. There's nobody that is going to take this title away from me, you know. So that, that you're just creating drama in there, and then because you have like the trolls online too that I don't like her, um, they fall for that, which is kind of hilarious, you know. They don't like her, but at the same time they're falling for it, you know. And I'm like looking from the perspective of a wrestling fan and somebody that that, that understands the concept of the storyline. It's like. Well, you're complaining, but the reality is like you all are falling for this, you know. It's yeah. it's it's just the way it is, you know. Um, I look at some of the negative comments that people have been saying, like for example, when you watch um, Jim Cornette and Val Venus and all that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, just don't <laughs> listen to Jim Cornette in general. No, but yep, okay. But, but Jim Cornette <laughs> but yeah. said like uh, Jim Cornette said like, oh no, she should tell that she's transgender and all that kind of stuff. I'm like. I mean, that was already stated when they, a, a, a few weeks after they hired her by AW, it was sold to the audience that she was openly transgender, you know? People already know, I, I, and you know? And it still took Jim Cornette forever to hear that. For whatever reason, Jim Cornette, like, so, so, so Silas, this is, like, starting to get inside baseball? <laughs> like, but, like, okay. <laughs> so... so so Jim Cornette is a, a very famous, uh, uh, he was a manager for a while. He's been a promoter. He does, now he's a commentator who um, has a podcast. And he basically, for a long time, and now like Nyla has been like, there have been so many think pieces, there have been so many things since Nyla was signed as being openly trans. And Jim has been like, wow, she's amazing. Oh my gosh, I like her. Wow, she's so big. Wow, that's amazing. And then like, I've actually had conversations with people at that time being like, do you think Jim knows that she's trans? And it's like, I mean, he has to. It's been everywhere. And so finally, maybe like a month ago, he was like, oh my God, she's trans? They should really play that up. And he's like, what are you oh, doing? Wow. <laughs> Are Like, what rock have you been living under, Jim? A and B, <laughs> like... like I and I, I I sent Paula. Uh, I was on a, a podcast, my friend, uh, the Heel Alternative, and they we were talking about that, and the whole conversation was essentially like, "Well, what story does that actually tell? If it's just like I'm trans and like Jim's Jim Cornette's and Jim Cornette is absolutely transphobic in this, but Jim Cornette's takeaway was she should play up the fact that she's trans and that idea of like I used to be a man and now I've stolen your title." Which, yeah, oh. uh, uh, that story should not be told. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. we like, already know that she's trans, but like to use that story, no, that is no. Yeah, it's it's a bunch of bullshit. But also, where do they go after that? Nowhere. Then... Nowhere, exactly. So like, you, it, it's not something that you should do at all because you can't. You, you could do it once, but then if you do that, then um then you you are done. You cannot continue doing that same storyline, you know. You are left without anything. So, like, and I don't like it because, honestly, it put the the performer at risk. Like, for example, like, I I, I don't go to a show telling people that I'm trans. I, I may have used to do it before, but not anymore. I stop at one point because I want people to know that. That is very personal. That shouldn't be no, matter, no, no, no one's business. Maybe the promoter knows that I'm trans. Maybe people online know that I'm trans, but like that's something that I that I tend to stay away. I don't want mm. me being trans being used in a storyline anymore because I don't think that's what matters. You know, what matters is the character yeah. that you play. In the case of Nala, she's big, she's strong. That's what we have in there. We have somebody that is like way stronger than most of the roster, most of the yeah. women's roster. And um, that's the storyline that will keep moving things with her, you know? 
because like right now she can brag about it about she being like strong and and like oh who's going to defeat me you know and there you have a story in there you don't mm -hmm. but if you focus on she being trans and the way that Jim Cornell wanted to do it, it's like it, you are only it's so it's only going to last you so much before people get get bored with that, you know. Mm -hmm. And I personally don't like it. I, I don't like what Jim Con Jim Cornette said. And honestly, you can live this because I, if Jim Cornette somehow decides to hear this, <laughs> or, or fans or, or, or wrestling fans that are in the LGBT spectrum and they hear me saying that I don't like what Jim Cornette say, because. Because I really don't. Because I think Jim Cornette is stupid when he said that. Yeah, I don't like what he said. Uh, I think Jim Cornette's idea is ridiculous and 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 wrong. You know, from the storytelling perspective of how to use a trans person in wrestling, which really surprised me. Because in in, in our reality, it's like we've been existing in, in for a long time. You know, and mm -hmm. and 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 even like in Mexico, like uh, and I don't want to relate transgender workers to exoticos, but like in Mexico they have the exoticos, and you're going to tell me that you never knew that the LGBT people existed before, like yeah. So Silas, you you seemed like you had something that you wanted to uh, to say as well, right? Oh, I, I hear old. I just there's something very poetic about it being really transphobic and a bad suggestion because it's transphobic, but also it's just bad storytelling. Like the fact that it's both. I just, I was, I, <laughs> that. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you're wrong. And wrong. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, people with podcasts, uh, Nyla was recently on the talk is Jericho podcast. And for those that uh, I, I don't think I've ever shared this on here, Chris Jericho was really one of the first people that I looked at and said to myself, you know, I think I want to be a wrestler uh, because this guy knows what's going on. This guy is amazing. I had the Monday night Jericho Jericho Holics anonymous t-shirt and <laughs> I, I actually, I stopped, I unsubscribed to his podcast because he had Don Trump jr. On. And I said, I'm good. I don't need this anymore. Nothing, you know, like whatever. But because he had Nyla on, I was like, all right, I'll listen to this one. And it was a little tough in a lot of ways because a lot of the language that was being used uh, was being used incorrectly. But at the same time, what I think is interesting, and I really do think that people should listen to this, especially if they're into pro wrestling, is even though the language was being used incorrectly and there was a lot of it, so be ready for it, but it you could tell that he had respect for the subject he was interviewing, Nyla. You could tell that he had respect for what where she came from, who she was as a person, and that, you know, yeah, like maybe the language isn't there, but at the same time, the language is something that can always be updated and can always be changed and can always be talked to about. Um, but the actual content of the interview was, was very good. Like, and I, I, I just basically wanted to say that, but I don't know if like either of you, cause I know, um, it's a very long interview for people to, uh, just hope to listen to, but I hear to the podcast and, um, like I, I agree with what you said because there was some language that was kind of like, oh, okay. That may not have been the best language to use, but at the same time, like it was a very good interview, uh, with Jericho and Jericho, uh, being very highly respectful with Nyla, and uh, what I like was like even Jericho admitted like, oh, I I don't know too much about this subject, so I think it's better if if you explain it to me, you know, and 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 that was the best thing that I that that, that I enjoyed was like he admitting that and letting Nyla speak, that was the best thing that I enjoyed about the interview. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I definitely find um, when I try to explain to other people like about, oh, you use this term incorrectly or you are maybe not quite aware of whatever aspect you're talking about. And, you know, people can get very upset and very defensive. And what I always say is 90 percent of the time, maybe 95, you can tell if someone is speaking out of um, like if their intention is good and they're making mistakes, or if they're doing things on purpose, or if they have chosen to become like, or to be ignorant on the subject. And that was the thing that as much as I was cringing through some of the language, you know, he was very open, he was very willing to, you know, sort of absorb things and, and to, to show that, you know, he would learn from what he was doing. And the best thing about that, in my opinion, is that encourages his audience to take the same approach. 
to, mm-hmm. to you know, if, if you're admire this person and you're absorbing what he's saying, then you're going to absorb that idea. Um, you know, and he was one of those people, you know, it can come up in a bad way sometimes but he was saying, you know, see the person first and the way that he was approaching that. Yeah. And uh, even in the interview and I, I, I and again, like, I'm glad I came back to the show and listened because he talked about uh, his conversation with Don Jr. And Don Jr. apparently started talking about trans people in sports and he ended up making edits to the podcast and cut it out afterward after interviewing Nyla because he was like you know like it it was just a it was interesting to get that context but b it was just very cool to hear that he actually made some sort of like change in his past even if it was a recent past Don Don Jr. is a very like I read his chapter about uh, transgender people because he wrote a chapter in his book (sighs) (laughs) and and you you do it so I don't have to yep (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> he's still like completely biased, and he doesn't he doesn't get it, you know, um, and and yeah, I, I'm just glad that Chris Jericho decided to remove that that section from the interview too, and and I was quite surprised when he mentioned that because I didn't know that that was something that um, that he did, you know, but like that was that was really good of him to do that, you know, and yeah. and just to have Nyla Rose then later on explaining. Explain things and and give Nala the microphone to 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 speak for herself, you know, um, and and that was and and then not only that, then Jericho turned into a supporter too. Yeah, no, there there were a couple of uh, articles around yeah. this because he was like attack, like he was being attacked for having Nyla on the show, and uh, then he came back and he was like, no, fuck you, read a book. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, we're, we're, we're going very long, but I'm very happy with the conversation. So what this, this should be an ad break, but what may end up happening is I may split this into two episodes. Uh, but for right now, we're going to take an ad break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about, uh, intergender wrestling for a little bit. Is It Transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers. The Is It Transphobic logo was created by Phoenix Sweeney, and you can see more of their work at tinylionroars.github.io. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp.com. No, I'm not done yet. The dog saw me get up and he's like, are you done? Aww. Hey, I'm not done. <laughs>